own a Mac? Want to produce high-quality ringtones, podcasts, recordings of your favorite shows, digitize your vinyl and cassette collections, and so much more? Become an Amadeus Pro Maestro is a four-hour audio tutorial that'll make you an expert in Amadeus Pro, multi-track audio production software for OS X. We'll show you how well it works with voiceover and let you into plenty of tricks of the trade. Pricing starts at just $24.95. To learn more, visit Mosin.org, choose the Mosin Consulting Store, then choose the link for Become an Amadeus Pro Maestro. Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosin. I get such a lift when I hear that intro. I'm living the dream, man. That's what I'm doing. I'm living the dream. I listened to Radio Sport when Mark Perry, who does those voiceovers for The Blind Side, he used to do all the stuff on Radio Sport. And we'd sit there on tender hooks, waiting to find out would New Zealand soar to success in cricket like we pretty much did in the 2015 World Cup or would we crash in ignominy like we did last Friday night against South Africa and I'm not even going to talk about that I just did didn't I we'll move on and I always thought if I ever did this blindside podcast I've had this in the back of my head to do for a wee while kind of doing current affairs from a blindness perspective then I would love I would dream of having him do the voices and he did and here we are and here you are and I'm really glad that you are here up ahead on the blind side if you like to geek out this is an episode for you because we've got a couple of technology related stories coming up in just a moment first of all we're going to be talking about the demise of the Roger walkie-talkie app or the push to talk app called Roger this app has taken the blind community by storm And there's been a lot of social media noise about its demise, which is imminent in March. And so we've got a couple of people, Rachel Feinberg and Anthony Horvath, who seem to spend a lot of time tinkering with their phones, installing apps, finding out which have unlabeled buttons and which don't and which sound good and which don't so that we don't have to. So we'll get them on the podcast and talk about potential replacements for Roger. It's not as simple a question as you might initially think. After that, I'll talk with Rob Nevin, and we'll be talking about Blind Square. And most important of all, how you might be able to score yourself a little bit of cash for sharing a testimonial about Blind Square. Sounds like a win-win situation, so Rob tells us more at the end of the podcast. So how has your week been? Mine has been busy. I've got a whole bunch of book ideas in my head at the moment. I go through phases where... Sometimes I'm just not feeling creative and then everything happens at once. Something just goes click. And now I'm brimming with ideas about Mosin Consulting projects. And so we've just got to keep on plugging away and you'll eventually see those in the store. But I did take time out for Valentine's Day. If you have a significant other in your life, I hope it was a good one. And if you don't, I hope you got through it okay. It can be a bit of a dismal time if you're on your own at this time of the year. But I got a lovely cup. Again, oops, I nearly broke the cup. I'd be in the dog box there. It's just here in the studio. It's a cup that Bonnie gave me, and it says, you're my cup of tea on it. I think that's very cute. You're my cup of tea. So she gave that to me and a few other presents for Valentine's Day. And I took Bonnie out to a French restaurant that we like to go to. And we've been going there for quite a long time, and they remember us. And I don't know whether they have a database or not. You know, call me a cynic. I mean, maybe this wine waiter is just so incredibly switched on with his customers. And I guess, you know, a blind guy and a blind woman with a dog, 
We're probably a little bit memorable. I get that. Anyway, we sat down and the the Wanoita. I see from our statistics, we do have some people listening from France to the blind side. So bonjour. Uh, he, I think he is the genuine article. The Wanoita came over and he said, I remember you. And he said, you like the Pinot Noir. And um, I didn't have the heart to tell him. I haven't drank alcohol for a long, long time, a long time now, because I found that it was interfering with my meditation. I find that the serenity and the calm and sometimes, depending on how I'm feeling, the high that I get from meditation just completely trumps alcohol. So I gave it up and I've lost, uh, oh gosh, um, I think it's, it, in pounds, it's about 50 odd, 55, I think, odd pounds about, around about 30 kilograms in the last year and a bit, and feeling fantastic. But I didn't really have the heart to go into all this with the Wanoita, so I just said to a mate, it's lunchtime, and um, I've got to get back to work, so I'll, I'll skip the Pinot for today. So it'll be interesting to see if he remembers when we go back to the French restaurant next time that I uh, once, a long time ago, had Pinot Noir. And then it was red roses time. I bought a dozen red roses for Bonnie. And when we got home, I wondered, have the red roses been delivered in our absence? That's always the danger of going out for lunch, isn't it? That if you're expecting a delivery, you may miss it. Or they may decide that they're not going to leave it there if no one's there to receive it or something like that. With flowers, I figured they wouldn't do that, especially on Valentine's Day. They are not going to come back. So I thought it'll be on the front doorstep if it's here at all. And I went ahead of Bonnie. I jumped out of the Uber and I ran ahead and I hurried up the steps thinking that I could intercept the roses and hand them over. Happy Valentine's Day, darling. Well, I rummaged around and searched and things, you know, like a blind man, as they say in all the songs or the, or the literature, you know, where this comes out. Like a blind man, I was, I was groping around looking for the roses and I couldn't find them anywhere. Looking around the front of the steps, I went down the steps and there were no roses to be found. And so we went inside and it got to about four o'clock. And by that stage, I'm thinking, surely the deliveries are pretty much over by now. Have the Teleflora people for the first time ever let me down? So with trembling fingers, I took out my phone and I called the Teleflora people. This is the 800 number for their call centre at four in the afternoon on Valentine's Day. And to my absolute astonishment, I get this message and it says, you've reached Teleflora. Unfortunately, you've reached us after normal business hours, which are between 7am and 6pm. Except he said it with an Australian accent. Obviously, the call centre's in Australia. So, yeah, you've reached us outside business hours. Yes, truth, copper, mate. And I'm like, what? It's four o'clock in the afternoon on Valentine's Day and the, tele- the Teleflora call centre isn't picking up. I'm starting to panic a little bit. And I keep calling and calling and I still get this message about outside business hours. I thought maybe the call centre's overloaded. So I keep trying, but I just cannot get through. In the end... I had to say, Bonnie, I want you to know I ordered you flowers for Valentine's Day and they appear to have gone AWOL. And she's very understanding. Oh, that's okay. It's a thought that counts. And then she went out. She decided to go out and have a real exploration. And they left the flowers outside in the sun on the driveway somewhere quite random. And really what it took was just getting out there with a white cane and swinging around and eventually making contact with the flowers, which were a little bit worse for wear because they'd been lying out there for a while. 
But you, I mean, I realise these guys are busy, but surely they could have just put them on the front step where we would have no choice but to run into them. Anyway, all's well that ends well. They had a lovely fragrance. She was very happy. We had a good day. And I'm not in the dog box. Feel the need to sound off? Share your thoughts about this week's show by email. Send an audio file or write it down and email theblindside at mosin.org. Hi, I'm Bonnie Mosin. Every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, it's time to get out the boombox, put on the shoulder pads, and enjoy an hour of music from my favorite decade, the 1980s. Eighties lady, and whether you were into eighties funk, new wave, break dancing, or romantic ballads, eighties lady has it covered. Sometimes I tell you the stories behind the songs, and my Friday flashback reminds us about major cultural moments that made the eighties special. Join me for 80s Lady weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusive to Mushroom FM. And now, stories making news in the blind community on The Blind Side. The internet can make the world a smaller place by bringing us closer together. Many blind smartphone users enjoy the push-to-talk, walkie-talkie-style apps since the spoken word is a medium we can fully appreciate and consume. No video or emoji gimmicks, just the sound of our voices bringing us together, either in groups or one-on-one. Now, when an app combines apparent simplicity with under-the-hood power and phenomenal audio quality, it's bound to be a hit in our community. And so it was with Roger, an app which took the smartphone-using blind community by storm. Many blind smartphone users were disappointed and left feeling lost when the developers of Roger announced last week that as of March the 15th, their app would be disappearing from the App Store and the service would no longer function. So just what does Roger do? And are there apps that can take its place? Well, it's not as simple a question as it first may appear. And we've got some answers for you. I should say also that The Blind Side reached out to the developers of Roger to talk with us on the podcast about the app's demise and the new app that they're developing that has a very different emphasis. They respectfully declined our invitation, saying they were busy working on the new app. Never mind, because in their place, we have Rachel Feinberg and Anthony Horvath, both assistive technology specialists and both prolific users of apps like this. Welcome to The Blind Side, both of you. Thanks, Jonathan. Hi, Rachel. It's good to be here. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Jonathan. Let's start with you, Rachel, and talk about Roger, first of all. For those who have been under a rock and have missed all the fun, what is it that took the blind community by storm about this Roger app specifically? The um, most, well, one of the most noticeable things in Roger is it's very easy to get going. They mastered the art of being intuitive and being user-friendly, so... People that wanted to get up and talking and talking in groups or teams, they were able to do this in Roger. And Roger has very excellent audio quality, so people are able to hear what others are saying. They're able to comment, and they are also able to move through messages at a fluid rate. So what caught the blind community by storm with Roger is its ease of use 
and the fact that getting up and running in groups or one-on-one was very easy no matter what you wanted to do. You're a little bit slower to fall under Roger's spell, I think, Anthony. And the way that you did is a real story about Roger and its power. Last year, I decided just before the conference of Blind Citizens New Zealand, which is New Zealand's national consumer blindness organization, that it would be fun for me to set up a Roger group. And this would allow smartphone users on iOS and Android to join this group if they were attending the conference And catch up with one another. Uh, They could find out where the parties were after the event or just discuss their travel plans and any delays. And the success of this group was such that everybody said, can we keep it around after the conference? And it metamorphosized into this New Zealand blind voice chat group, which was there supporting people during that difficult period of the Kaikoura earthquake. So that's when you, I think, just before that earthquake and at about the time of the conference, came to Roger in earnest and realised that for us at least, it was the voice chat facilities for groups that really set it apart. Indeed it was. It was the the earthquake on the 14th of November was just a, a huge example of that where people were a little bit edgy after the quake, nervous, up late. It was just after midnight. And because of Roger and because of the groups, we were all able to send messages to and forth and sort of support each other and talk about how we were doing or how we were feeling. And for those who live alone especially, um, it it felt like you were just having a a good chat with a group of friends in different parts of the country in this case. Now, there are some pretty geeky things that you could do with Roger. One of them was you could connect it to your Amazon account and use it kind of as a mini Alexa. You couldn't perform all of the functions that you could, say, with a full Amazon Echo, but that was kind of neat. There was a weather boss that you could actually inject into a group conversation and you would get weather forecasts for people all around the world if you had an international group, which was a really nice touch. There were some annoying bots as well. (laughs) The Chewbacca bot, for example. (laughs) That was pretty annoying. Um, And also there was integration with IFTTT and that's one of the things that I really appreciated because using IFTTT, and for those who haven't used this service, it stands for If This Then That and it allows you to link different services services together through recipes. It's a very cool piece of technology and you can do some amazing things with it if you have a play. Now, Roger was part of IFTTT and it allowed me, for example, to record in my studio directly onto Roger and I could play clips from the studio, little bits of, uh, we were on the, the New Zealand Blind Chat Group, I was able to play, to play little bits of cricket commentary from the archives, just really do some fun things. And you could also save your messages to Dropbox. Um, did you have a good play with any of those more geeky features, Rachel? The um, Alexa portion I was able to get going, which I thought was a neat kind of demonstration of kind of Alexa, what it can do, and help people be like, hey, I want to explore this more in depth. Go get an Amazon Echo. And uh, so I thought that was kind of a... Well, there you go. She wants to be in the podcast as well. So... Um, I thought it was a neat introduction and also Roger expanding. That was another thing that they did well was we have IFTTT, we have Alexa integration, there is um, Dropbox support, and it was more than just a voice chat app, which also I think appeals to a lot of people. 
a lot of the push to talk apps you have to hold down your talk key. You didn't have to do that with Roger. And I actually never found a limit to how long a message could be with Roger. So there were people who would talk for a very long time or even just go for a walk. Bonnie, for example, is part of a Roger group for seeing eye graduates. And they would go for walks, some of them with their dogs, apparently, and just leave the thing running. And despite that, I mean, despite the fact that some of these messages could be very long, the audio quality was superb. I don't know whether we've been able to establish what audio codec they were using. Perhaps it was Opus, which is very good with speech at low bit rates. But I think that's another thing that really impressed people about Roger and captured the attention of the very critical listening blind community that it was one of the best audio quality apps I've ever heard in this space. Absolutely. I think when one of the things I was thinking about before I joined Roger was just another sort of walkie-talkie app, some of the quality of the voice calls definitely vary. And as soon as I joined, I was struck by how wonderful it was. And uh, the the length of the of the conversations, uh, I know I've se- certainly sent a few messages that have gone for about 25, 26 minutes. Goodness knows what I was talking about, but I did it. Yeah, and I'm surprised. The, um, yeah. There you go. And the core quality was just perfect. Yeah, no breakup. It's kind of like listening to something recorded in the iOS voice memos app, really. It was that good. Now Roger has announced that they're moving on to another app that has a very different kind of emphasis. They're aiming at the business market and they're also incorporating video and other things. So this is not a Roger replacement. This is using some of the lessons that they've learned from Roger, but it doesn't appear that this app is targeted at the same demographic, the same community. And so people are scrambling a little bit and looking at other options. I think I'd like to look at this in two areas. The first is one-on-one communication, where you may want a way of communicating by voice with other people. And the second is the group conversations. And I thought we'd take a look at some apps that work in either space. Can we talk about one-on-one first? Because there is lots of choice in this regard, including, I guess, the, the basic iMessages app. If you have an iPhone, you can record your own voice in an iMessage, although the quality isn't the best, Rachel. No, the audio in iMessages isn't the best, and that is so that it can go over the cell networks or Wi-Fi or whatever you happen to be using. And as you mentioned, uh, Jonathan, the listening as a blind community does in so many things, um, audio quality is something that we really like to protect and get as best as we can. So iMessage, if we're discussing text communication, it's great for one-on-one or groups. Um, For audio communication, there may be other apps such as Facebook Messenger if you want to make a phone call or even WhatsApp or even FaceTime if you are going from Apple device to Apple device. What's nice about cross-platform apps um, like WhatsApp is they're also available on Android, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a moment. Some of the apps we may discuss for a replacement are limited to what device you have, so that's something to consider. 
Yeah, you don't want to get locked in because I know there's a small trickle of people who are moving to Android from iOS, and I think that that will continue to happen as the accessibility on Android matures. It's interesting that you bring up Facebook Messenger, which is, of course, cross-platform, and there are plenty of apps that let you actually call and talk in real time, you know, Skype, Viber, uh, FaceTime for iOS users, Facebook Messenger for, for calls. There's a whole bunch of these apps that let you speak and potentially see people in real time. But in terms of being able to leave a message for someone, have someone check that message by voice when it's convenient to them and then reply by voice, the options are a little more limited. And in that regard, I don't know what you guys think, but I think that the quality of Facebook Messenger these days seems to have deteriorated and it's not really that much better than iMessage now. I agree. I agree. I was actually thinking that over the weekend, I, well, I was having a phone, a uh, Facebook Messenger conversation with a friend of mine here, and the the, the call quality was was dreadful. It, um, I'm not not sure what they've done to it, but uh, it, I honestly felt like I was just sending um, audio iMessage. Yes, I found yesterday I was using Messenger just for a, a voice message rather than a call, and. I played the message back because I knew we'd be getting together and talking about this subject. So I wanted to take a critical listen to what it sounded like. And there was a lot of weird kind of artifacts creeping in, funny acoustical bounce that wasn't even really in the room. <laughs> and um, really strange. And of course, you've got to keep your finger held on the button. And the other thing was that there is a time limit. And if you're busy waffling along, you may not even hear any kind of audible indication that your time has expired. I think it's something like 60 seconds and that's your loss. Um, you're, you're out with Facebook Messenger, whereas with iMessage, there is no limit. Is there a limit in WhatsApp, which is cross-platform? And in my view, for no. messaging, it, it's a pretty that. good sound, don't you think, guys? It's, it's it is. a lot better than yeah, other WhatsApp options. Is, it's not it, bad. It, it, it is a good sound. Um, there is no limit. Uh, certainly, we've, I've, we've had long messages from friends, and uh, they've been talking for twelve, fifteen minutes. So um, it seems to be just talk as long as you like, and you do you do have to hold down the uh, button when you're using WhatsApp. Although there is a voiceover workaround, which I'm just going to say that, which is a little bit fiddly, where you find the uh, microphone button a double tap and hold that. And then if you turn voiceover off and then turn it back on again, and then if you once then lift your finger off and then you flick to the left or the right and you can just keep on talking and then double tap the microphone when done. So it's a bit of a interesting workaround. I was playing with that over the, uh, over the weekend and Everybody was saying that this is how you do it, but I, I could not get it to work. The only way it would work for me was I had to go into the conversation of someone I was talking to, and I had to go to the compose a message as, as if I was going to send a text message. And from there, I could uh, use the voiceover trick. But outside a text message, it wouldn't work for me. Can you shed any light on that, Rachel? Um, it seems to be if you just open up a conversation and you find the voice message button, then, and like Anthony was saying, double tap and hold, turn off voiceover and turn it back on and you're good to go. So it may have just been one of those strange instances that occur and you should 
see if you can replicate it. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, with iMessage, there is a way if you want to voice message someone where you don't have to hold the button down with iMessage either. So th- there, there are plenty of options for one-on-one communication. There are also apps that have been around a long time that just keep doing what they're doing, and they come up in both categories in terms of group chats and individual chats. It's interesting, I was talking to someone about this in preparation for our discussion, and they mentioned that there are people out there who still swear by Haytel, which is one of the first apps I ever got on my iPhone a long, long time ago. And Haytel just keeps plugging away. They don't update it very much. And I think the message limit is still 30 seconds 30 and seconds. it's easy to fill it up. But <laughs> people appreciate the fact that there is that limit imposed because it's kind of like the voice equivalent of a text message and it causes you to be focused. There's also Zello, which we'll, I'm sure, come back to when we talk about group conversations. And Zello seems to be doing extremely well. I suppose one of the things that people will be saying now is, well, are we, get, are we going to get hooked on an app that goes away because the developers decide to, to, to pick uh, juicier fruit or something? Um, but with Zello, they make their living out of commercial push-to-talk technology in a commercial context. In fact, you can go to airports around the world and people are using Zello on private commercial channels. So it's kind of an industrial strength product. And that does have a lot of advantages. I think the audio quality of Zello is pretty good. They've done a lot to work on voiceover accessibility. Uh, You don't have to hold the button down if you don't want to. That's configurable in options. What do you guys think of Zello? Yeah, I th- when when it first came out, it was it was all the rage. It, would, it was used quite a lot, all, all the different channels, and I think Mushroom FM had a channel for a while too, which was which was good. Yes, it did. And and it was it was brilliant. You could uh, for a while uh, you you had to hold the button. You had to keep your finger down on the button. And now, of course, that is configurable. And um, I was very very impressed with with the quality. I guess. A couple of things that did put me off it slightly was you you did have to be online to get the messages if you were signed out signed out you had to remember to go back in and check and sometimes you'd be talking someone else would um, start talking and cut someone off as well. Yeah, and that's going to be a big issue, I think, when we come and talk some more about group conversations. So with one-on-one conversations, it will keep them. It will keep them in your history and you get a notification and you can check them. But the thing that was really cool about Roger, particularly if you're on an international group or a particularly busy group and you have a life, is that you could leave it for 12 hours or so and come back and play in sequence all of the messages in a group conversation Mm. that you'd miss. And it was kind of a really cool way kind of like this global water cooler to keep up with people. And you could hear the chat play out in real time. It had features that were quite blind friendly, the kind of thing you'd expect on a blindness specific app, like the ability to speed up the playback, which is mm-hmm. um, really good for Very those handy. for those long Fair messages. Um, so so <laughs> Zello, Zello sort of works, but as you say, you know, if you if if you if you're not online all the time, and that would apply to somebody like Bonnie with her seeing eye group, which is based in the United States, and so a lot of traffic is generated in our nighttime and she was able to tune in in the morning and catch up and that wouldn't be possible with a group Zello discussion. What's your take on Zello, Rachel? Zello, um, 
was neat. Like uh, I believe as Anthony said, it was all the rage and it was cool because I, um, may have been one of the first apps that you could access from your computer, which opened up a lot of opportunities to talk. And especially when it first came out, um, iPhones were definitely around, but you know, they weren't in the hands of as many people. So giving people the opportunity to be able to participate in a chat on their PC and enhance the audio that way, I thought that was a huge selling point for it. The blind side continues in just a moment, but first, I want to tell you about a product that Bonnie and I discovered that has really changed our lives, and I think it'll change yours as well. You know, the internet was meant to be without borders or limits, but some companies put geoblocks in place. They can prevent you from catching that sports event you really want to follow, like the Super Bowl, which was not possible to watch online here in New Zealand, or enjoying an audio-described version of that popular TV show that's so difficult to follow without it. There is a way around this stuff. Bonnie and I use and recommend HMA. Using HMA's technology on your smartphone or computer, you can virtually transport yourself to almost any country in the world so that to computers in that country, you look just like you were a local. We love the freedom it gives us to watch audio-described TV that we wouldn't otherwise have access to. And you can have that freedom too. And you can have it today by visiting mosin.org HMA. That's mosin.org slash HMA. Tear down the wall with HMA VPN. And just before we get an influx of email from people, we are not covering things like Skype and um, some of the new Google offerings that are based like, like telephone calls because we're trying to focus on push-to-talk type technology, not necessarily phone call replacement technology where you're in real time. So this is kind of the the voice equivalent of text messaging. So that's why some apps that some people may think should be discussed are not being discussed if they're merely like talking in real time on the telephone. That's not what we're about and that's not what Roger was about. But one that is like that is Voxer. And I don't Voxer, know what yes. Voxer is like these days, but I got very annoyed with Voxer because their there was a point at least where their accessibility deteriorated repeatedly. And we would send, many of us had, had kind of grown to like Voxer despite its dubious audio quality at times. And we would send tweets to Voxer and they would make sympathetic noises. And then after a while, they actually stopped even making the sympathetic noises and the app got less and less accessible. So for the brave among us, what's the state of Voxer, <laughs> the push-to-talk app these days? It's still going. Um, a lot of the people I have on Voxer don't seem to be using it, though. But... Of course, with Voxer, you can play your own messages back. And the, the call quality is pretty bad. It, it's just the same as an, an, an audio iMessage or um, a audio message on Facebook Messenger. The interface still has a few issues around some oddly unlabeled buttons. and But they have, you can now choose to turn on the microphone. There's an option to have it toggled for on, on or off so you don't have to hold the microphone, the button down anymore, which is one of the frustrating things about it when they when they took that away about three, three and a half years ago. Are you rocking the Voxer, Rachel? Um, I, I have it, but as... As was said, doesn't seem like a lot of people use it, and there seemed to be a lot of uh, voiceover clunkiness, crowding, uh, focus issues. So getting a message was like digging for buried treasure, and you know if you find it, yay! And yes. uh, if you don't, it's uh, you know 
tell the person you're trying to talk to to contact you in another medium because it was a bit tough. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit hit and miss. They do have a, a Voxer like Zello. Um, Voxer now has a, a Voxer Pro option. And uh, you can pay, it's like a monthly or a yearly subscription. And that gives you a lot of function around groups. So you can create groups in your admin. So you can actually remove people from groups and you can save messages. You can use hands-free to talk and all sorts of other features. So if you're on a Voxer group and you miss some of the traffic because it's nighttime where you are and that kind of thing, can you catch up and, and listen to them back to back as you could with with Roger, I'd never tested a group uh, when when I when I used Voxer, but considering if if you were just having a one-on-one conversation with someone, you could play back all those messages. So I would I would say you can, especially if you get the pro version, because you you can save the messages and um, uh, delete them as well if you like before people uh-huh. get a chance to see them. And you made a very good point, Anthony, about Roger because. It wasn't some sort of perfect app, and we hoped to see further developments with Roger. One of the things is you couldn't play your own messages back, and that was a little bit confusing because sometimes it's not a vanity thing. Sometimes you actually do want to hear how you sound to other people. And uh, I know with mm. Roger, you know, I, I would say to people, if you could just hear how you sound, so maybe you could angle your phone a bit differently. There, there weren't really any individual controls over gain, for example, um, some people's phones were softer than others and you couldn't address that. One thing about Roger that we didn't mention that I thought was amazing, and there was one contributor to a group that I was on with Roger who had an Android phone that had a stereo mic set up built into the phone. And when yeah, they used it, it was stereo. Yeah. And if, if, you were, if you were listening on headphones, you could actually hear the whole stereo experience. If you plugged a stereo microphone into the base of your phone, with a lightning connector, for example, then you could go out and you could record in stereo and it would be on Roger. But you also mentioned administrative functions and groups, and I think this is one area where we all hoped that there would be a lot more development on Roger because group security was very weak. People could join a group and the only thing you could do was kick them out, but you couldn't really block them from the group itself. They could just come back. Yeah, yeah, like a bad penny. And um, you couldn't password protect a group. There weren't moderator functions so that if somebody was misbehaving, you couldn't moderate an individual user. Now, Zello does have all of that stuff. And if Voxer has all that stuff plus the ability to catch up on chats that you've missed then you know i I suppose it might be worth a lot well but then you've got the accessibility issues and if you can look at accessibility issues and um as i was saying though the the admin stuff is only under the pro version so right yeah um zello zello's maintenance is very something simple yeah if if, if you're going to a conference for example and you just need to communicate with people around the place in real time you can sort of have your iphone clipped to your belt or something like a walkie-talkie. And it, it almost sounds like with Zello, you're, you're doing something from the space shuttle. It makes a little bleep noise and mm-hmm. <laughs> like NASA communications. And it's real time. It's very good for that. It's slightly different emphasis from what we were doing with Roger. Now, there are some apps that I've used over time and I can't even remember them. There was one called Blip, which I think was yes. a walkie-talkie app. I don't know where that went. There was another one, and I've been trying to rack my brains cool. about this, um, for Teams. Oh, gosh, were, were you thinking of Taco? Um, I don't think so. Tell me about that one. Taco? Um, yeah, they marketed to Teams, and you could 
um, you know, listen to groups. It was almost kind of cool because in real time, or if you were leaving a message and somebody was listening, they could just hop on and talk to you in real time, kind of, you know, half duplex kind of thing. But it was, uh, it was neat. And you could choose your microphone source. Um, I believe Skype purchased them, so they're no longer around. But that was an app that a lot of teams used and people seemed to enjoy it. You know, I'm pretty sure that is what I was thinking of. You're a genius. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's the one. And so now that's gone bye-bye as well, has it? Yeah, oh, it has. That's Very unfortunate because that was, that was a pretty impressive app in terms of the feature set that, that it had. Can we talk about WhatsApp Messenger and Facebook Messenger in the context of groups? I have to say, first of all, with Facebook Messenger, I'm not sure. Can you actually voice message a group of people at once and, and make them a part of a group? Yes, you can. Yeah, uh, if you're part of a group. Um, you can. Um, the one thing, with, of course, with with WhatsApp though, is you're publishing your cell phone number. So if you are in a big group with say twenty or thirty people, not everyone's going to be in your contacts list. So unless they actually announce who they are, you're just going to get a uh, phone number. And if you recognise their voice, and some people don't really like the idea of having to publish their mobile phone number for for all to for all to see. Well, that would be hideous. Um, so that's that's WhatsApp. And, and, and you can't and you can't stream them constantly like like you do with you Roger. Have to play each one one at a time. One at a time and there's serious focus issues as well. What about I Facebook think so Messenger? If you listen after the phone number though, it does say the person's name, but it's, you know, inefficient use of time to have to listen to the phone number before you get to, you know, John Smith. Yeah, and there's no way that I would want people to have my phone number. That would be just absolutely dodgy indeed. I mean, for a group situation like that, you know, you could could have all sorts of people in that group. Um, What about Facebook Messenger? Do they do anything? I do not know. They they have a groups app, but that's for just online stuff, not not voice. I'm not too sure about that. I took a look at this. Call a group. Yeah, because we, we've just started a Mosin Explosion listeners group on, on Facebook, and I thought, well, I wonder if we can turn this into a voice chat as well. But I couldn't find a way to incorporate voice into Facebook groups, and so it looks like that's not an option. So WhatsApp may no. be an option. Uh, we we use WhatsApp. We've got uh, three children who use iOS and one who uses Android. And so when we need to communicate by voice with one another, we use WhatsApp. But I think that's different when it's family members who or, or close friends who have your number anyway versus yes. looking for a vehicle for people who may not have that kind of close relationship to be able to communicate in the same way that we did with Roger. Viber is, is the same as well. It's being cross-platform and uh, you can have groups, but it's the same. Okay, so Viber does actually allow you to do push-to-talk style voice messaging as well, does it? Yes, it does. Interesting. Uh, you, you, you do have to hold um, the button down. And it's, it's a lot more accessible now than what it used to. Because I actually, I, I started using Viber and WhatsApp about around about the same time, um, a few years ago now. And, but I, I was using Viber more because that's what a lot of my cider friends were using and they, they, they didn't have iPhones. So I got um, quite used to that after a while. Yes. Vibe is very good actually. I think with accessibility these days, the one thing that I haven't checked for a wee while is what it's like on desktop platforms like PC and Mac, because when Viber for PC initially came out about four years ago, it wasn't the best, but it's been a while since I've checked that. Google has also 
introduced some offerings in this space and their product branding is so confusing because they have a whole bunch of these apps and I'm not quite sure how you differentiate one from the other anymore, but they've got this Google Allo app and they have Google Duo. I think Google Duo is like a kind of a FaceTime replacement, FaceTime. a multi-platform video one-on-one thing. Uh, what about Very Google Allo? Is that a contender? I haven't messaged people on that. I haven't actually seen if there is any group function. Right. Have you? There might be. I just don't have no uh, folks using it. It's been kind of tossed around as an idea, but no one's really kind of gotten on the horse and taken a ride, so to speak. Yeah, I've I've got it. I get I get a lot of these apps to play with them, and then I find that hardly anybody's on them. Um, You know, so they sort of sit on my phone waiting to be allowed or whatever. Is it? Um, I'm sure that there'll be some comments because none none of us will have all the answers, and so there may be an app that we don't even know about that somebody might be able to chime in with um, in the comments for next week's podcast. But let's talk about this one app that I think there's a consensus building that although it isn't a complete Roger replacement. It may be the closest for those who have become dependent on Roger for group communications. And it's got one particular downside, which is a very odd 59-second limit. I mean, I'm not sure why not 60 <laughs> seconds. Or, um, and this is an app called WeChat. And this is one that did sort of slip under my radar. I knew about it, but I just never got around to downloading it. I picked it up today. Uh, do you want to tell us about WeChat, Rachel, first? And then I'm sure Anthony will have some thoughts on it as well. WeChat, um, there is some interesting button labels in there uh, if you're a voiceover user. The experience is a little bit different. Um, For instance, if you have a new contact on WeChat, you go into contacts, then you go into new friends, um, which is kind of different as opposed to, you know, having it all under one label such as it contacts. So, the buttons are interesting. The fact that, um, which, and I guess you can see this as a security help. When you add someone that, unlike a Roger, where if you just start a conversation with someone, you know, they are in the queue. But WeChat, you add someone and they need to add you. Uh, so it's kind of neat. You accept each other as friends and then you're good to talk. So it's uh, a little bit interesting to get used to at the beginning. But once you do... It does work. It, it's an interesting app. I've, I've had it for a while, um, again, just because I, a couple of my sighted friends were using it, and then they they got bored of it and uh, moved to something else, and I, I forgot my password. So <laughs> I had to... I had to uh, create another one because, unfortunately, if you if you forget your, your password, that, that's one thing to note, uh, to try and get a retrieval back isn't uh, one of the most accessible experiences and it has a capture and it just doesn't work even if you try and take a um, picture of the screen you were mentioning Rachel with the in the um, contacts tab it's it took me a little while too because you've, you've got your friends tab and then you can search your mobile phone to see if there's any other contacts you haven't added yet um, you can link things like your Facebook and even your LinkedIn profile um, there's all sorts of fun ways to sort of talk to people down on the bottom from the main screen you have your uh, sort of tabs down the bottom you've got your me tab which is your whole profile page and your privacy settings and um, notifications all of that sort of thing and then you have 
a discovery tab which allows you discover uh, to discover people nearby which i had a look at this morning it was quite interesting and they have a, a shake feature which i haven't tried and i don't really think i will you can go into this feature and shake it and you can be matched with anyone else who just happens to be shaking their phone around the world <laughs> um <laughs> which which no, sounds like a Sounds like a, um, a sort of a modernised version of Skype Me. Oh gosh, I'd forgotten um, all about Skype Me. Yeah, Skype <laughs> me. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and then, of course, the uh, contacts which we've covered, and then the um, the fourth tab is the the chat, the chat window, and uh, this is that, and so that's that's where you can have uh, your send text messages or send. Uh, voice messages to each other. The one of the things I like, and talking to other people who have started using WeChat, my my contacts list has grown in the last couple of days. But the the talk button is located just above the home button, and is it is quite a large button and very easy to find. And you do have to double tap and hold the button, but it is a lot more stable than WhatsApp. And you do have to listen very carefully. Because when your 59 seconds is up, the message just automatically sends. And you get that familiar whooshing sound. And then, of course, you just have to double tap and uh, continue if you haven't quite finished what you were trying to say. So how does it have a notification that lets you know when when you started recording? I don't think it does. Or if it does, it's very, very No, it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. You're, that, that, that's a good point. I forgot about that. And this is one of the things that actually impresses me about Zello, and I believe Voxer may be the same, but certainly with Zello, is that it can actually stream in real time. So a lot of these push-to-talk apps, you don't get, as the end user, you don't get a notification that the message exists until it's finished and sent. And of course, if it's a very long message, say three or four minutes long, then you won't get any notification until that three or four minute message has been all finished. With Zello, and I think possibly with Voxer, the moment a message starts to be generated, you get a push notification, which means you can actually sort of tune in if you happen to be around and hear in near real time the message being sent, which is a really nice touch of Zello. Yes, yes that's right. I think because we, we started using Voxer before Zello and I, I remember being very impressed. Yeah, having yeah, lengthy, lengthy conversations. It was just in real time, and the conversations went on for for ages, for about, and we weren't waiting for anyone to respond. Yeah. So, how do group conversations work in WeChat? They're actually kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, you create one. You just go into more info once it's created, and you can add people from your approved list of contacts. And um, I think anyone can add anybody else so it uh it's kind of neat that way and um i just saw you know a group come together and it was very easy and easy to add someone which is really neat it's really cool the other thing too we we haven't mentioned this we we talked about whatsapp and everyone having to sort of publish their phone numbers and i was mentioning that my my contacts list has grown and that was because people who have been joining WeChat are already in my personal contacts list, so I, I know their phone number. But if you don't know the person's phone number, you can just give them your uh, WeChat ID, and you can add them that way. You can only change your WeChat ID once, though. So if you forget it, 
you have to go through the whole retrieval process. So I know some people often like to change their IDs at, at various times. And so that's for those people, that's one downside. So there is no way in WeChat, though, to have somebody who's a group administrator and perform moderating or blocking or any of those functions. I think there actually is a more button in the bottom right, and I believe there's options in there to further administer the group if you need. And you can also set your group alias, not your group alias, but your personal alias. So if you wanted to kind of change your name or, or whatever, it's on a per group basis. So that's something to yeah. note that's different from your WeChat ID. They do have a very good uh, report system to report abuse and all that kind of stuff as well. And is there a URL for a group that you can just – how, for example, if somebody set up a, a group, say, for, I don't know, blind technology discussion, let's say, how does somebody get on that group in WeChat? It's a great question. I like that question. I am not yeah. sure if it offers you links to groups, which would be awesomely helpful. You you can stream one, – one, one other thing, you, you can stream content to each other. Um, so you can play sort of MP3 files and – Share all sorts of things through the through the group as well, which um, people have found quite popular. That's interesting. How does that work? So it has to be in your library on your phone, or what happens? Yeah, either on your library on your phone, and someone said that you could do it through Dropbox. I haven't tried that uh, myself, so I'm not too sure, but I, I do know that it's possible. So WeChat may be worth exploring, and I'm sure people will be discovering more as they cope with being Roger refugees. So really there, there isn't anything that, that quite does what Roger does and there are some apps that have some strength in terms of group moderation administration features that Roger never had and we all hoped would have. And then you've got uh, WeChat, which looks like it may be the place to go if the primary emphasis is being part of a larger group that that goes beyond your immediate family and friends who you may not want to give your phone number to, it looks like WeChat may be an option worth considering then. Yes, definitely. I think so. You can also add your Google contacts. So if you sync with Google, um, it's kind of neat. You can add your phone contacts, your Google contacts, your LinkedIn. So it's kind of neat. It pulls from those sources. When you sign up, uh, it requires you to authenticate using your phone number. And then I presume you can go into the settings under the Me tab somewhere and uh, set your own WeChat ID and set a password because it hasn't asked me for a password yet. So I presume that I can go in there and configure all of that stuff. Once you're in, you just go to the Me tab and it'll say Jonathan or whatever or whoever and you don't you go on the double tap on that and you can set all that information set yourself a a specific ID a specific password and um, you, you can you can link all sorts of other things for people to find you your Facebook and as Rachel said Google you can link your email address uh, which is also good for um, password retrievals and things quite a few different privacy settings and uh, notifications. I think people really will miss Roger. Some people will. I mean, for some people, it has really changed their lives. It's been one of those apps that has become an essential communication tool. It's brought people together, particularly in the blind community, in a very viral way. When I got in touch with the Roger people to ask them to appear on this episode of the podcast, they did make the point in the email that they sent back that they are very grateful 
for the support that they've received from the blind community. And I know they're moving on now to an app that is focusing on professionals. There are video elements and and, um, social elements and things there. Would you have paid for Roger? Do you think that if given the chance, the blind community may have been able to uh, provide the Roger folks with a model that would have made it sustainable? I'm going to say yes. I think so as well. People really seem to enjoy what Roger had to offer and it just worked and I think people would pay. Maybe it would have been subscription or yearly, I don't know. But Yeah, just the fact of bringing people close together, um, Mm -hmm. the the different groups, being able to support each other in so many different situations, the earthquake, a good case in point, catching up with people that you haven't spoken to in years. There's just so many reasons why. And it was a good product. Yes, okay, they, they had certain things that they needed to work on, like uh, the admin, but uh, you certainly can't complain about audio quality. And we all know how many people in the blind community love the audio quality. Yeah, and little cool things like that the widget that you could put on your Today's screen that allowed you to engage cool. you know, without yes. even going into the app. I mean, that, it was really well thought through. And it wasn't just a carbon copy of things that had already been done. There, there was some real innovation going on there. And they were receptive. And I think once that they were, they were developers who once they realized that they'd got a bit of a tiger by the tail in terms of the interest of the blind community with this kind of app, they really did embrace the community and understood how blind people use voiceover. And they did some great stuff. And I think it will be an app that really will be missed. And it will just be interesting to see whether we can engage with some of these other app developers. I mean, might it be possible for Zello to set up a kind of a channel that did store the audio on a server for a set amount of uh, time? And, and even if you had to pay a subscription as the administrator, if I had to pay, say, I don't know, five bucks a month for a particular kind of Zello channel that gave me X amount of storage space a month for storage of chat content so that people could catch up on that chat content when they had a chance. I think I would do that. I think that Zello was pretty much there if you could listen to stuff that you'd missed. I agree. I would do um, I would do the same. Voxer is the same. They, they already have that, but um, they just need a bit of a push around accessibility. We'll just have to watch the space, won't we? Watch the spaces. The one thing about the the space is it always keeps evolving. So thank you both for coming on the podcast and talking with us about these apps. I hope that's given people some ideas about where they might go after the 15th of March. No problem. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having us. It was great. Our Place, Our Issues, The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosen. We've spoken about Blind Square on the Blind Side in the past. And in fact, we got out of the studio and we went into the Wellington Central Business District, the capital of New Zealand, and showed you the Blind Square iBeacon trial, which is still running successfully here in New Zealand. Well, there's a chance for you to contribute to Blind Square and also earn yourself a little bit of money at the same time. What is not to like? And to tell us more about that, I'm joined by Rob Nevin. Uh, Rob, welcome to The Blind Side. It's wonderful to have you here. So tell me about your involvement with Blind Square because Blind Square is an app that originated in Europe 
And you've d- developed a, an extensive involvement with the project over time, though. Yeah, it, it's been my pleasure, and it's a, it's it's a wonderful history. My presence in support of people who are blind exclusively has been through my company, You Are Able, again, based, based in Canada. And through that work, um, I forged strong relationships with uh, many of the blindness organizations and many friends who are blind. And as a result of that, I was introduced to uh, a product that um, you and your listeners will be familiar with, Aftershocks. And the benefit for use of Aftershocks for persons who are blind while traveling, because both ears are open and available for environmental sounds and the like. I was introduced to them by a client of mine, uh, someone technical, uh, who said, you know, I appreciate you are technical as well, describing me. And said, have you heard about this product? Um, it's really great for people who are blind as he is. And said, basically, because we need three ears, one for the environment, one for the phone, and one for the screen reader, whatever <laughs> it may be. So I contacted Aftershocks and uh, said, um, I'm, I'm not looking for anything other than bringing the news of this to the community that I help support. Um, let's, let's do something. So um, we did. And for a, a time, I, I helped them out uh, in introducing that product to the, the, the market we share. As a result of that uh, involvement, Ilka Pritima, the uh, founder of MIPSOFT, M-I-P-S-O-F-T, and the uh, creator of BlindSquare, um, approached Aftershocks and engaged a conversation with me, saying, uh, I'd like to bring this product to uh, my audience. I'm not looking to make any money. I'm just trying to make it easier. So at, the, at that time, uh, Ilk and I were introduced. Uh, we hit it off. We saw common values in, in each other that um, we both had strong uh, technical bench strength, but we both had a passion for serving this community. And our motivation was not making uh, a ton of money, but rather making a ton of difference. And ultimately, we said we should do something and we should do something together. And that uh, pondering was settled uh, almost two years ago now where Ilk and I partnered in the company. So that's kind of the long and windy history. But uh, from there, our uh, our work has continued. You've had quite an extensive involvement, I think, in the whole iBeacon concept in terms of the way it's been rolled out within BlindSquare for very precise navigation. Yeah, um, it's it's been my pleasure to work with Ilka on that. In 2015, in March, he was awarded, and this is before my involvement or just at the cusp of my involvement, um, the uh, Canadian National Institute for the Blind uh, Winston Gordon Award of Excellence for BlindSquare. And, and there was a, a cash award for that, which was great, which Ilka simply turned around and offered to CNIB. Uh, the fact that he was uh, just in last uh, alpha testing of an indoor navigation solution that he created using beacons and uh, would uh, we like to advance on setting it up there. This had earlier been done at a large mall in Helsinki, but that was the first expansion outside of Europe. And CNIB said yes, of course, and and, and that continued. Uh, from there, uh, the product has been honed and honed and honed to the point now where we uh, have it in many installations uh, across the globe and many that are queued, including uh, universities, uh, museums, performing arts centers, uh, shopping malls, bus terminal locations, and and many more. It's been uh, it's been really quite great. The key, the key to it, however, has been uh, seamless. 
that the same blind square product that your listeners will be familiar with that takes them from A to B will now take them from A to B to C. And any one of those can be indoors equally well as outdoors. It's a wonderful concept and indoor navigation has been the holy grail really for quite some time. Do you have concerns though that a really big monolithic kind of company like Google or Apple may just come along one day and take it upon themselves to adopt some completely different standard that could create confusion in the marketplace? Of, of course, that's that's a concern. There's every opportunity for doing that. Um, our first mission is to Im- improve the, the transit of people who are blind. And if that means that uh, that has to uh, be given up to a, a, a larger and better solution, then, then so be it. The truth with larger and better solutions, however, are that they tend to far to service larger and, and, and greater needs. And we, we see that. Uh, with at least one of the two players that uh, that you illustrated, that uh, they are uh, creating uh, places of interest where indoor navigation is supported, but it only starts where the uh, amount of traffic or the number of square feet is really large, much larger than um, many of the instances that uh, we're participating in now. One, one interesting part of, of our experience, however, is that the fundamental design of how we are doing the indoor navigation is incredibly scalable. So not only can it do mid-sized environments of maybe 100,000 square feet with something less than, than 50 beacons uh, to much larger, but one of the projects that I know you are uh, quite familiar with in, in Wellington is we set out to prove what could be done not with 20, 30, 400 beacons, but what could be done with one mm. And we set out to prove that the value of one beacon, and not only could we scale down to that, but the value of it is uh, is huge. So a nice spectrum, uh, a spectrum so small that the big ones can't possibly play there, and that helps abate the concern. It's low cost, it's easy to set up and maintain, and one of the things that I think is really significant about this whole project is it's very grassroots driven. It's possible for blind people to have a lot of feedback and input into the process, and once you get to the larger companies, it can be very hard to get beyond the tech support, turn it off and back on again people to really have a difference, to really influence the outcome. Yes, exactly. And it's pretty consistent with our approach. And I need to credit Ilka with this, that uh, now the, the, the forging of, of Blind Square has always been from the view of uh, the, the blind or low vision or deaf blind person who's using it. Although Ilka's, uh, he's very humble, but I think any of us would recognize him as exceedingly clever. Um, he defers to the people that are going to be using it first party. And that's quite true of what the approach of the project in Wellington has been. Let's listen and then do, then listen more and then do. Yes, and the good thing is that iBeacon is an, an open standard that Apple supports. I think they've open-sourced iBeacons, haven't they? So it is possible for other platforms to embrace them. Yes. So uh, on the Android side, which is Google, uh, it will read iBeacon or, or Eddystone. Apple technology still uh, works exclusively with the iBeacon protocol, but but now it's a protocol. It's, it's not a product. The, the product that we use most often uh, from a company in um, in Poland called Contact.io, uh, who, we, who we really like. Not only do they have an exceedingly strong product and outstanding support, one of the founders of the company is Low Vision. So the company-wide, led by one of the founders, they have an appreciation of what the benefit of uh, iBeacons uh, brings to our friends who are blind. It's, it's nice to have that inside touch. 
It's nothing but a good news story. Absolutely fantastic. And the reason specifically why I'm talking to you now is I understand that there is a competition on at the moment and wondered if you could clue us in on how that works and how people can participate in that. Oh, yeah. Glad glad to. Over the years, we've just been really happy, and it's one of the motivators for Ilk and I both, to receive unsolicited stories from people who um, are using BlindSquare, new to BlindSquare, maybe even seasoned users of BlindSquare, but are impelled to write us and, and just share the story. Some of the stories include uh, people who found the simulation feature within BlindSquare and for the first time were able to tour where they want to go from the standpoint of being familiar in some cases, even from the standpoint of gaining confidence. And when some of the stories we receive are, are stories along the lines of, you know, before this, I was hesitant to go outside, or that before this, I would only go outside with a, a sighted guide, or more advanced than that, I would only go outside if I had a well-scripted plan uh, reviewed with me by my O&M instructor. But with uh, this one feature of simulation, they're able to experience where they uh, want to go from the comfort of their couch. Um, there's a humor story related. One, one of my friends, uh, uh, his name is David Burnett. If he hears this, he'll kill me. But I credit him with the following truth, that not long after he was using BlindSquare, he discovered simulation. And he and his wife were planning a trip to the UK. So he used simulation to find out areas in the destination in London in the UK. And you'd think it would be about tourist events or you would think it would be about hotels or the like. But oh, no, he used it to plan all his pub visits. And he was uh, quite delighted with that as, as an option. We get these stories. And we thought what we would do is provide a means by which we could encourage people to write them more formally. And we would uh, take those stories and put them on our website just to uh, share with anyone who wants to go there that um, to hear from a, another person who's using it of what the benefit has been to them and the hope that it would be uh, encouraging to another. Uh, we did it in the form of a contest. Uh, we have it running now. It will run until the beginning of uh, April. And it simply uh, provides a means for you to uh, identify yourself. You can define that uh, you, you don't want to be identified formally. Uh, if you're a student, you can provide the um, uh, contact information for your teacher. All these things have been worked out with um, schools for the blind that, that we work with. So we're not stepping on any uh, toes or, or offending. Submit your story and, and, and send it, and then there's a, an adjudication. The uh, uh, top stories uh, will receive an award. The number one price is, prize sorry, is uh, 100 U.S., and we have uh, some other prizes that have been identified for uh, second and third accordingly. How long does the story have to be, or do you have any kind of word limit in mind for this? No, uh, there there doesn't need to be a word limit. We we suggest in the uh, in the form that it be uh, maybe one or two paragraphs. Those that we've received to date have been several, and I don't think it would be right for us to try and constrain it because uh, people want to tell their story. We we you know we would be wrong to say say it in fifteen words or less if they want to say thirty. Uh, the reality is it would be more than that. But no, there are no limits. There's one story related coming out of um, um, the, the student environment. One of um, the students was uh, crediting uh, BlindSquare for something that they liked very much, which uh, you would be familiar is called uh, uh, Look Around. Mm. But, but the uh, characterization of it was that um, that gives me superpowers. 
Yes. And with with that superpower, I can look around corners and look through buildings. <laughs> and in the the latest release of Blind Square, which just came out a couple of days ago, there's actually a voice command called superpower. <laughs> and if you say that, it will do the same thing exactly as uh, as uh, look around. But it just it just makes it fun. And in the end, for any of these tools, particularly for tools that are facing students, they need to be fun to be used and to be uh, um, assimilated. One of the things I appreciate very much is that a lot of these blindness-specific GPS packages are North America only, or even US only. And people in my part of the world often miss out, or they're an afterthought several years down the track. And so the way that this is done, not only do we have uh, access to all of the map data that is available through BlindSquare, but also, of course, we've been chosen for this trial here in Wellington, which is just absolutely incredible that we're sort of ahead of the curve for once. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that, that uh, Wellington or New Zealand in particular tends to be uh, uh, under service from the standpoint of new technologies. We, on the other hand, see it as an extraordinary demographic and uh, the, the country and Blind Foundation in particular is very forward thinking. Uh, the notion of this came about from a conversation between Thomas Bryan and I at, at Blind Foundation in, uh, in August. By September, we were rolling this out. Uh, now, speaking of the, uh, uh, the project in, in Wellington. Um, and great. And uh, I, it, it's too soon to announce um, the, uh, uh, the others that are on stream, but I can tell you that we have other similar projects now under, underway, having closely watched the project in Wellington and in several other countries. The other truth concerning uh, work in New Zealand is that um, it's a pretty favorable time zone for us. Here it is in the middle of the afternoon for me, and uh, we're still able to interact. The, the beauty of the connected world. Thank you, Internet. Yes, and New Zealand is often used as a test bed in markets other than blindness because we have a very robust fiber-based infrastructure. Uh, the government has rolled out fiber and is continuing to do that to most households. I'm sitting here with a gigabit connection from fiber. So there are a lot of tech startups doing some really interesting things, but for whatever reason, a lot of blindness companies and and and, and even Apple with things like uh, there's no Siri on Apple TV in New Zealand and there's no Cortana on Windows 10 in New Zealand. Uh, some of them just passes by. It's strange. Mm. Well, thank you for your, your compliment on the work in New Zealand and in particular related to mapping. One of the things that we're really strong on is that uh, we, we see that the, the world is, as our globe. And I don't mean that to sound uh, quite as obvious as, as it did, but BlindScore now has a presence in 160 countries and translated to 25 languages. And um, not only do we learn a lot coming out of that, there's a lot that we need to do to make that true. Now, one key feature is that if the mapping isn't good in one country, then there's other mapping services that are available. We use BlindScore to determine where it is you want to go, and then we uh, promptly hand off to whatever mapping solution um, the individual wants to use um, based on where they are. The, the wants to use could be Apple Maps. It could be 
Um, Google Maps could be Waze, it could be Navigon, it could be uh, seeing eye GPS. It doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is that the choice that's correct for the individual uh, is presented to them, and, and it goes forward from there. The other truth is uh, the versions of the operating systems, and something that uh, we take uh, great and painstaking care of is to ensure that we support even technology that goes back to iOS 6. It would be very easy for us to say, uh, anything uh, iOS 8 or iOS 9 uh, or newer. But by doing so, we'd be stepping aside from really important people uh, to us who may not be at the current operating system level because their technology is old, but yet they still need to get around. And we say, we'll do the work. Wonderful stuff. I hope people will go ahead and submit some stories and tell people what a difference Blind Square has made. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Rob, and I hope we can keep in touch if there are further developments in the future that we can talk about. Oh, of course, I can uh, I can tell you that uh, there will be uh, more that uh, we will want to share with you, uh, particularly coming up into, into May with our uh, fifth anniversary of the product. That's a significant uh, threshold. Not only is it uh, uh, an anniversary, but but it's the fifth. We've never had a fifth anniversary before. Right, there <laughs> so, you go. So um, you, you can expect uh, some some interesting uh, conversations uh, around um, announcements for that, and uh, I'd, be, I'd be happy to uh, do that with you, Jonathan. And there's not a particularly user-friendly URL to get to the competition form if you'd like to try your hand at submitting a testimonial and possibly winning a little bit of cash, but I have included it in the show notes. So if you review the show notes in your podcast app or on the web, you'll be able to get to the information you need to participate in this Blind Square competition. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.